You're listening to the Arturnia Archives. Enjoy. Welcome to another of Rem Alternus's adventures. This is Aaron, your GM, and with me is... I am Ava Rogers, and I am playing Phyllis Oakley, a book nerd in 1930s London. We'll be playing Cthulhu Confidential, written by Robin D. Laws, specifically their gumshoe one-to-one system. And the adventure today is A Cable's Length from Shore by Gareth Ryder Hanrahan. All right, last time I had dinner with Mr. Shea and Miss Smith after capturing the creature in her home, where she finally divulged the truth about what happened the night she saw uh, Alfie die sort of. And from there, the next day, I visited my doctor friend to bandage up and poultice up my hand for the burn. Then I visited the North Cross Cemetery, where I found Mr. Dr. Brewer's tomb. And it had been ransacked. On the inside, at least. And then I found a tunnel and a whole mess of warrens beneath the graveyard and I found Alfie but it wasn't quite Alfie and they appear to be eating the bodies of those buried in the cemetery and that was an experience and that's all I'll say of that for now I'm at the what was her name the house in Greenwich belonging to ostensibly belonging to Wyndham and something's not right here. So you had barged your way in the back door. Quietly, but uh, definitely had injured your shoulder in the process. Uh, when you look in, the, lo- in the, the doorway, you can see that the, the corridor is about 10 feet long and slowly slopes down. And you know mentally that should not be possible. You do see a doorway to the left and the right in this hallway. But where it slopes down, it continues to get darker. Well, I suppose I'll poke my nose into either room, to the left and the right. When you poke into the right, you find a a kitchen. And you're doing it as quietly as possible. You still have your original stealth test. Yes. And when you poke your head into the left, you find a bookcase filled with books. One of them is a... You, one of them is a very valuable copy of the Scrolls of Bubastis. You also find a, a box that looks like it stored something very large and fragile uh, and, and jar-shaped. But the box is empty, uh, and you will gain an edge. Huh. You have found stolen goods belonging to Edwin Baker. Okay. It's a good thing I'm nosy. But when you had peeked in the kitchen, it doesn't look like anyone has used this kitchen in months. All right. I suppose 
I will find out what's at the end of that corridor. It's probably going to be longer than ten feet. <laughs> you you start walking, and uh, as you as you get you know five feet in, ten feet in, you look back and you can still see the London light pouring in above you, fifteen feet, twenty feet. This is way too long. This this is impossible. You you. You must have fallen into some alien space or crack in reality, and I need a cool test. All right. So, my first die is a five. All right. Uh, so you automatically gain an advance. Yay. You fight to stay calm. You focus on what's in front of you. Space-time may be warped, but you still control yourself. You gain an edge. Cool as a cucumber. Unflappable. Nice. All right. Okay. So, you continue down. Yep. Uh, at the bottom end of the hallway, shaft is a door. That's somehow simultaneously a battered wooden door with peeling paint, and a heavy, and also a heavy stone portal covered with cryptic hieroglyphs. Both versions of the door are scarred with old claw marks. Was it a dog pawing at the kitchen, or a pack of ghouls trying to break into a tomb to devour the bodies buried within? I'd rather not give that too much thought. What do you do? And see if I can't get it open. You are able to easily open the door, um, and you find yourself in what is must be an impossible space. Uh, it looks like it was once a mirror image of the kitchen above, but has somehow warped into some sort of nightmarish tomb. And standing on a huge stone block is the jar of Anput. The wax seal atop the jar has been broken. Oh, that's never good. You can see that there's an adjoining room, and you can hear something moving. Something huge, like an animal, maybe a crocodile? It's scales scraping across the floor, foul air moving in and out of its massive lungs. Mm-hmm. Do you wish to look inside the jar? Yes. When you look inside the jar, you can see a half-chewed lump of pinkish flesh, still oozing blood from a dozen tooth marks. Well, that's odd. Oh, I really don't want to see inside that adjoining room, do I? Probably not. <laughs> well, I'll have to face it eventually, I'm sure. Might as well get it over with. Yeah, you were you were looking for either books or or clues or even the this jar, right? Like the jar yeah. was one of the things that um, you were you were sort of looking for. However, with the seal broken and the jar open, I support well. Let's grab the jar and the pack, and I can pack it back up before returning it to its rightful owner. So it sounds like you'd like to do a filch. Sure. Let's call it that. I'm not the best at that. I've got one die, and that's a two. Minus two. Minus two, because my bruised shoulder, yeah. Okay. Uh, would you like a bonus problem, or would you like to just take the failure? Oh... <sighs> That's the question, isn't it? So you could come out at this with two 
problems. Yeah, I'm just gonna take the failure. Alright, so you are gonna gain a problem. This is problem number 29. The face of the beast. I'll read this one out loud. You saw the twisted face of the horror, the thing that was partially Nellie Wyndham, part Egyptian prince, but mostly nothing that ever anything close to human. You saw the burning three-lobed eye, the bloody tongue, the unthinkable shape of the crawling chaos. So coming roaring out of the side room, as you grab the, the vase and the, the jar, it clinks on the stone tomb, which draws its attention. And it comes slithering and sliding into the room with a roar. Uh, you grab the jar, but the monster's between you and the door. Oh, shit. Which means I run fighting the beast as a challenge. Nelly grabs you. Mm-hmm. It's a crawling chaos of faces and limbs jumbled together, always changing a grotesque, malformed god. Your only chance is to break free of its grip before it kills you. Oh dear. Alright. This is gonna be great, I'm sure. Particularly with my bruised shoulder. Yeah. This is a fighting. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to discard the repost for an extra die. So you roll me two dice? Yeah. So the first one is... Is a three. Three. Is that minus two to both dice or total? No, it's just total, but I take it off the first die. Okay, that makes sense. And five for an eight. Okay. Um, Would you... You, you you are at a success, but not an advance. Would you like to take another problem for an extra die? Mm. No, not this time, I think. The monster picks you up, flings you against the wall. It stumbles towards you, then starts fighting with itself, tearing at its own body with a different limb. You watch in terror as it rips a portion of its own mass out of the seething, chaotic whirlpool of its ever-changing flesh. The portion it removes is roughly the size and shape of a human. It throws the bleeding corpse to the floor, but the delay gives you a chance to escape. Yeah, no, I'm gone. (laughs) Gain a problem. Oh, great. Of course I get a problem anyway. I should have just taken the extra tie. Should have seen that coming. (laughs) Horror after horror. The shape torn from the body of the beast were those the remains of Nellie Wyndham. My god, what is the thing that she has inadvertently summoned with that jar? Alright then. Yeah, no, I'm gone. (laughs) I'm out of here. You you start hustling out of the house, um, climbing the the never-ending shaft slash hallway back up towards the London light. Um, it seems so far away. And there is a monster thing. No, two monster things after you. I need a fleeing challenge. And the first is a... F- well, two. Yeah, and then a five for seven. Oh, with seven, you, you scramble back up the shaft, clutching your prize. Behind you, you hear the angry roar... But you dare not look back. You flee back into the open air of London and successfully make it out. 
you stand outside the, the Wyndham home. Uh-huh. Winded. But with your prize. Don't open canopic jars, ever. But you have an open one with you. I'm not the one that opened it. That is true. What do you do now? Uh, what time of day is it? Uh, it's probably around 3 or 4 p.m., so still daylight. Does that count as the end of the scene? That is the end of the scene. Okay, for my bruised shoulder. <laughs> yes. All right. You, you're you're able to get it treated or, or taken care of. <laughs> probably go see Forrest again and pray he doesn't answer, ask any questions. What are you? What are you doing to yourself? It's a long story, and you wouldn't believe me if I told you. You probably. What do you do with the jar? Uh. It, it is a very wanted thing. Yeah. So. Do you bring it with when you go to see the doctor? I need somewhere to hide it away, but I don't trust that my place isn't being watched. Yeah, I'd take it with me, and try uh, it. it like a, in a bag or something. Okay. Yeah, you're able to actually roll me a a preparation for preparedness. First die is a one. Well, luckily you have two. And then a five for six. You you are able to find a bag, and uh, you are able to also sort of seal off the top. Perfect. With a six. Perfect. Alright. <sighs> so he asked you what's in the bag, but you're probably not Will, really willing to open up about that. No, not not a... It's a new acquisition of mine. Oh, no worries, no worries. Uh, eventually you make it back to your shop. It's probably 6pm. You have the jar of input. You know where the stolen goods of Edward or Edwin Baker is. I'd like to find out what I can about the jar... So... That would be a library use, or an archaeology. Um, which you don't have, but you may know someone who does. Yeah, I was thinking, because I... Th Mr. Wilder. Because he was an associate of Brewers, you said, right? That is correct. I think I might... Well, it's a bit late, and he's a bit far. Yeah, it's, it's a better part of a day to get out to him. Alright, I suppose I will... <sighs> Try and sleep for the night, and call upon Mr. Wilder tomorrow. You do happen to still have the scroll of Bubastis with you from the... You didn't take all of them, all the books there, but you did grab that. Yes, actually. So instead of sleeping for now, I will take uh, a gander at the scroll of Bubastis. When you unroll the scroll fully, you notice that there's a sheet rolled up in it with some very tiny, neat handwriting. Uh, you find that uh, it looks like this is notes concerning the the jar, and that it says that a contact of his in Egypt, uh, whoever wrote this note, uh, learned about the, a band of tomb ro robbers that had previously un basically happened upon an unknown burial chamber in Memphis, and arranged to smuggle four canopic jars and other grave goods to a, an Edwin Baker. Uh, the, the author of the notes uh, says he was able to decode some of the inscriptions on the urns and believes the tomb was the burial chamber of the fable, fabled Black Pharaoh. 
a semi-mythical ruler who consorted with, or possibly was, one of the outer gods. There was no sarcophagus in the tomb. The notes seem to suggest that the canopic jars are some sort of anchor or signpost connecting the Black Pharaoh to Earth. Do you have Cthulhu Mythos? I do not. Do you have Occult? Yes. Some of the passages do hint that the ghouls of Egypt had some ritual role, consuming the remains of sorcerers and pharaohs who failed to attain union with the the black pharaoh. Uh, There also notes that uh, scarabs began appearing one day, um, and that the author of the note uh, believes that these are signs of favor from the black pharaoh, and that he is on the right track. So, destroying it, you say? (laughs) That sounds like it might be a fine idea. Alright. So you sort of got three options here. This is behind the scenes. Okay. So it should help you in your decision. Um, You've got a jar that is going to be used in some sort of ritual concerning the Black Pharaoh. Uh, So you could destroy it. um, And it could be as simple as smashing or attempting to bury it or dumping it in the ocean. Something along those lines. you could attempt contacting the ghouls because you did know that some of your expertise in occult alerted you that there's a relationship. Mm -hmm. Or you could return this jar to Vaker. I'm not sure I'm keen on that idea, considering it feels like he's the one uh, responsible for all of this. And it's definitely not something I wish to be a part of. Um, so calling on the ghouls. So you quickly bundle up your jar again and make your way towards uh, the cemetery. It's d- it is definitely dark when you arrive. The wind is still. There's sort of this deep fog that covers the cemetery. Perfect atmosphere. But you'd been there before, and so you are you know where you're going. Um, in fact, you remember it was deep in the cypress trees. There was an easier path in. As you make your way and return along the same tracks that you had gone before, uh, you find your way back to the ghoul chamber. The ghouls are whoop and gibber and meep as they dance and feast. Uh, They seem almost like a primitive tribe in the jungle, sleeping when they're tired, eating when they're hungry, scavenging corpses to eat. They have strange rites uh, and mocking ceremonies. They don't seem to have any concept of the passage of time. None of them seem to pay you any mind until you raise and present the jar of Anput. When you do, there is almost an unnatural stillness as they all slowly turn to face you, and they quickly, as one, grab you and pull you down a chamber tunnel that you had not gone down before. Seated at the end of this tunnel, you spy this withered, gaunt horror clambering out of this deep chasm. Upon closer look, it, it looks like a the jackal. No longer is it that dead flesh clinging to a, a muzzle that you would have seen on, on Alfie. This is something that has been alive for a long time, or dead. Its eyes are black, and it speaks in a combination of Egyptian, English, 
and grunts that are more animalistic, animalistic and canine. The, the ghoul crawls towards you, shedding the dust of immemorial ages from its rugose hide. Your head spins at the sheer horror of the thing. I need a cool test. Oh, fantastic. However, you can gain a bonus. Okay. If you push either language or bargaining. All right. Why not? Uh, language. Let's, let's go with the language. And first die is a three. Okay. You don't have to roll the second. You gain a pushback. Okay. Actually, you have a minus one for each Mythos Shock card. How many Mythos Shock cards do you have? Two. You have two Mythos Shock cards. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that three plus two minus two. Actually, on a three. So yes, you gain a push. Three was the advanced threshold. You're able to maintain your composure as you speak to the elder ghoul through gestures and a few human words, it explains that the ghouls consume the unworthy who try and fail to reach the other world. The ghouls won't help you, yet they'll come for Vaker if he fails his ritual. There's gallows merriment in its voice, and you get the impression that he doesn't rate Vaker's chances very high. You feel disturbingly reassured by your conversation with the monster. Discard any one Mythos Shock card you wish. Oh, cool. Uh, well, let's go ahead and get rid of Face of the Beast. Is there any way that I could ensure his failure? Uh, or is interference taboo? It, there's a slight smirk on its muzzle, and it just simply says, you must complete the ritual completely or be consumed. Cryptic, thank you. All right. I thank you for your assistance, or information, rather. He tilts his head forward towards you, uh, his eyes fixated upon the jar of input. I still don't know much about this ritual, do I? Not, not so much. Not any uh, details, anyway. You know that it involves four jars. Uh, but that is the extent of what you've been able to collect. Alright, well, I will make my way out and back to my shop. And let me look at... Well, I suppose I will actually call on Mr. Wilder. He might know something more. We'll say that you can roll me preparedness. Right. And see if you can get yourself a a, a, a a taxi out towards Wilder. My first die is a five. Uh, many of them are telling you that it is late at night, and that is, that is a far journey. My second die is also a five for ten. They are willing to take you out there, uh, which takes that good full day of journey down to a couple hours. You know that Mr. Wilder does not have a phone. Yeah. Making your way out to the Wilder farm takes a couple hours by car. The farm is surrounded by a lone stone wall, or a low stone wall, that is marked with strange carvings on the gateposts. As you walk from the taxi up to the front door, uh, Mr. Wilder greets you uh, partway out and tells you to get off of his land, that you bear two marks against you. Oh dear. 
that he was willing to talk to you across the threshold of his land, but All right. he cannot invite you into his land otherwise. I understand. And she'll step back. He seems to breathe a sigh of relief when you do that. Uh, how can I help you, Miss Oakley? Yes, um, I'm looking for information uh, regarding the details of a certain ritual. A ritual, you say? Yes. An Egyptian ritual uh, to reach the land of the dead. Uh, there's there's many uh, different works that have sort of called upon this. Um, they seem to be in, uh, you know, opposition to what they've said each other say. Uh, this one, I, after the rites of Memphis. Uh, one of the older books. Yes. I have not seen that book per se. Um, but it, if I do recall some of the, the work of, uh, one of the other Egypt, Egyptologists, uh, there was, uh, th those works were from probably 5,000 years ago. Uh, basically, the, in order for the, uh, the ritual to be successful, uh, you need all four of the canopic jars in order to, to complete the ritual. Without, without even one of them, it cannot be completed. All right. Uh, there is, uh, I believe it refers to some sort of, uh, I mean, because it is in the, the old the older works. There is a call for it to require a sort of uh, sacrifice, and I'm not sure if it's self-sacrifice or a sacrifice of others. It wasn't. It wasn't quite clear. All right. And a slightly different topic. Can you explain what you mean by these uh, marks that I bear? There's something haunting you that's followed you around. I can. I can smell it on you. And something. Something old and something recently acquired as well. Start looking for a scarab. You are carrying around the scarab shell. Oh, yeah. Ah, right. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Hopefully that has uh, answered your question. It is a long journey for just a couple questions. Yes, well, uh, I don't like to let things sit and wait. A sense that you're in danger. Yeah, I've got that feeling too. I'm not sure which side it's coming. It'll be likely to come from at the moment, though. All right. Well, I will let you be tonight, and uh, well, once I get it back from my man, I might have a copy of the Rites of Memphis that you might be able to take a look at if you'd be interested. Oh, that would be fantastic! I've been meaning to to take a look at that. As soon as I get it back from my uh, repairer, and he does what work he can, it was rather uh, water damaged and the like, uh, I'll bring it by. We'll talk price. That would be fantastic. Where do you go next? <sighs> what do you do next? Get back home and sleep so that I can face Vaker tomorrow. At this point, she's like, I just want to get this over with. I'm going to go to his house and smash a jar on his doorstep. Which actually might be a bad idea. I'm still not sure how exactly. <sighs> that didn't help much, did it? <laughs> no, it didn't. Um, you said um, she's a part of the... What, what, what did you say? The uh, Invisible College? Yes. Yes. Um, 
it's late, so she'll probably do it like in the morning. Uh, or maybe, <laughs> maybe those types would be late at night owls like herself. Um, but reach out to some folk there and see if there might be something that she's missing or somebody who knows more. Yeah, reaching out to any of those, like I'm, I'll just sort of, you, you reach out to a bunch of them. Um, all of them come back with not having any information. Uh, you are well in the advanced realm. Yeah. All right. The, the information you've got is that from both, from the Elder Ghoul, that to, to disrupt, basically he needs all four canopic jars. And you've heard that from both the Elder Ghoul and, as, and Wilder. You do know that Kuri is aware of you. Yeah. So I think uh, before or in the morning, in the night, whenever, she's going to do one of the safer things she can and uh, ensure the jaw gets smashed to as many small pieces as possible. Okay. Do you do that right away? Do you do it out in the, the bush? Uh, Yeah. Alright, so before you get back into the taxi, you just take the thing and just smash it against the fence, the low stone wall? That sounds that sounds good, yeah. Just beat it, because it's in a bag, right? So you just you just start wailing against this wall with this jar. Yeah. You hear it shatter, you feel something change. It feels like suddenly the eyes of the universe are staring straight at you. Oh, that's not a fun feeling. <laughs> And you actually see Mr. Wilder across himself. And you've known him to never be a religious man. Right. And then a moment later, the pressure is released. <sighs> but you don't think that that went unnoticed. Yeah. I'm sure it didn't. So what do you wish to do? Uh, well, I don't even know at this point. Um, so, let's see. Fuck it, they already know where I live. I'm just going home. Alright, so let me scan through the, the different options. Oh dear. You can... Actually, which of the Mythos cards did you get rid of? I got rid of the... Uh, the Face of the Beast. The one that came from... Yeah, 29. I kept 31, because I plan on killing the bastard anyway. Or at least making sure that he... Okay, so your your plan is to, to hunt him down then, it sounds like. So you want to head home. Yeah. Because if I fuck up his ritual, then the ghouls can feast and my troubles are over. For the moment. Okay, so you get home. You've probably left your bag of bloody meat parts and clay on the trip out. Or trip back in. Mm. Uh, as you get home it's it's late you're tired uh, give me a sense trouble oh dear all right uh the first die is a two okay and the second die is a one for a total of three okay so the next challenge i call for will be at a minus one okay uh so you you get back you've got the the scroll of bubastus that you set on your counter and you head up to your your flat. The air in the room is a little bit warm, but you don't think anything of it. It's been a, a long trying day. Uh, as you go about getting ready for turning in for the night, you flip back the, the covers of your bed and a scarab leaps at your face. 
great. We are going to run this as an athletics test. Oh, great. And you said it's at a minus one. Yes. Oh, dear. Well, it's at or fighting, so they're both the same. Yeah. Well, I rolled a six, but the minus one makes it a five. Okay. There is no other additional problem for this, so this is what you get. Okay. Unless you've got an edge that you could spend. Um... I have unflappable, which allows me to ignore any penalties to one challenge. That would ignore that minus one. A six would put it in advance. Oh, I'm gonna get rid of unflappable then. Discard unflappable, edge 12, to ignore that penalty. This one is gonna be a little bit weird, because I'm running a a slightly out-of-order edge. Alright, this doesn't quite make sense, but I'm gonna give it to you anyway. Um, just so that you know that you have an edge for this. So instead of it being in your debt, in this case, you can gain a plus two on a fight test. Uh, as your quick reactions, the basically this, this scarab shoots acid out of its maw, and you quickly move to the side, and you are carrying a book with you to read. You smash that down on the back of this thing without even thinking. <laughs> like a spider. <laughs> yeah. Your, your sheets are ruined, and so is that book. Oh, dear. But you have survived. Yeah, that's that's a bonus. Okay. Oh, I just wanted to sleep. Uh, that sort of indicates to you that Baker knows where you live. Yeah. And Baker possibly is out to kill you. <sighs> Right. Alright. I guess we're gonna deal with this tonight, then. I just wanted to sleep before... Uh, whatever. She just, like, sets the book down on the bed. I'll deal with the sheets and everything later. And we're gonna go out again. And we're gonna go to the address that was written on his, um, card that was delivered to Miriam's house. Yes, the, uh, the, the mansion in Fitzrovia. So, uh, you make your way out to Fitzrovia. Uh, you can see the lights are on in the mansion of the address that you were given. You knock on the door and are greeted by an Egyptian man with a hieroglyphic tattooed on his face. This must be Mr. Khoury. He looks at you and says he is expecting you. I'm sure... Please follow me to the glass house. Uh, Kuri leads you through this mansion. The place is immaculate and massive and opulent. Uh, you can see as you enter the, the glass house that there is Baker sitting there in a bath chair in the center of the room. And you can hear chittering all around you as you see hundreds of scarabs inside the bath or inside the glass house drooling acid, destroying what little plant life was in the glass house. Baker looks up from the bath chair, and you can see a rain- now that as you look past the scarabs chittering, you notice that there were three jars placed around Edwin, and a place where a fourth should have been. Ah, Miss Oakley, you have destroyed the jar of the wife of Anubis, the mother of the sacred waters favored of the pharaoh it was to be placed before me for this you have brought upon yourself a curse do you understand what i was trying to achieve to be honest not entirely that seems like some sort of test 
Is there a lying test? Uh, if there is, it doesn't appear to be on my list. Because I think there's a... Conceal, but I think that's more... Conceal feels like it would work as well. Yeah, I don't have that. <laughs> okay. I was just looking at the full list of general abilities. Okay, so in this case, uh, you could do a... Is there a push for inspiration? Uh, inspiration isn't right either, so I think in this case, um, he looks at you and he sort of tilts his head to one side. You know, I must still try for what else is there. And you can you can see now that he is he is quite sick. And you suddenly feel on your shoulder a hand and you feel a knife to your back. Uh, I need you to roll Sense Trouble. Alright, Sense Trouble. The first die is a two. You, you're, you're having, you are so focused on all of the things going on in this room that it's, it's quite difficult to get a good read on it. Second die is a five for seven. As Corey goes to plunge the knife into your back, you quickly sidestep as the knife goes by you and you suddenly start, you're in a wrestling competition with this, this man. Just what I'm good at. He slips on water leaves within the glass house striking his head heavily upon a desk. He is unconscious. Oh, handy. I'm just gonna grab that knife there. Okay. Are you going to plunge it into the old man? <sighs> I was really rather hoping not to. I'm not... I'm not the violent sort. What, what is your approach? Tell me what, what would Phyllis Oakley do in the situation? The goal was force him to force the ritual to fail and let him be torn apart by the ghouls. That was the ultimate goal. I'm not violent, but I'm not going to hold them back. Okay, I just wanted to check if you were going to speed this up or let the ghouls handle it. I was going to let the ghouls handle it. Phyllis, uh, she's not the directly violent sort. She doesn't get her hands dirty like that. He, he stares at you and, and you've noticed that on the table beside him is a, a scalpel. He plunges it into his gut and starts pulling out his organs, chanting as he does, reciting various ritual player, prayers and supplications to Nilar Hotep. As he does, the chittering from all the scarabs increases in volume, and then he places a piece of his liver in one near one jar, and he places a piece of his lung near another jar, and he places a piece of stomach near another jar. But there is no place for his intestines. And suddenly you see him transform into that thing in, in the Wyndham home. Oh, fantastic. Another one. At the same time, you hear the crash of glass, and suddenly the room is filled with gibbering ghouls as they descend upon the body of Vaker like hyenas, eating him while still alive, starting with the exposed entrails burrowing into his body to pluck out his heart. The monsters are remarkably clean diners. By the time they're done, the bath chair has been licked clean, and only a few red stains on a blanket remain of Edwin Baker. Meanwhile, led by the ghouls that were once Alf Fulbro, and other ghouls dance through the halls of the Vaker Mansion, carrying away books and other loot in a madcap procession as you flee in terror. Sounds about right. All right. So, how does this end? 
You survived. Yes. Uh, you were able to save the Fulbrows, uh, for there was a scarab in their home. I was pretty sure of that. And I managed not to go insane because I made sure that Vika died. That said, you, you feel a little bit more on edge with the mythos shock that you've encountered. Fair. You spend the next few days recovering at home, just running the shop, pretending like nothing happened as best you can. You hear from the underworld, the, the sort of invisible college, uh, as they visit your shop. Uh, the rumors are flying that there was some sort of suicide or ritual murder or some such uh, that occurred within the city. In fact, two locations seem to be of particular noteworthiness. One would be the Baker Mansion and the other would be the Wyndham House. Is that so? At some point, you feel comfortable enough to, to venture back out into the city. <laughs> you find that the Wyndham House is bricked up. And the rumors that you've heard is it's been purchased by a mysterious investor. In fact, the entire row that, of row houses has been bought up by the same investor. Digging through some of your contacts and asking them what they know, you are told that it appears that somebody connected to Baker has bought that up, as well as purchased the Baker mansion. Uh, but your own streetwise knowledge tells you mm, it's probably not the best idea to dig deep into that connection. Yeah, I've had enough trouble with people connected to Vaker. And that is where we will end. Alright. Thank you for playing. This was so much fun. <laughs> there are a lot of places to die in this one, but uh, you were able to, to make it through. I like playing overly cautious characters. She didn't want to do anything before she had all the information she could possibly find. And just for those listening, uh, again, this is uh, Cthulhu Confidential. It is a, a two-player RPG. Quite fun. I, I've always enjoyed running these. Uh, if you are looking for it, you can find them at Pelgrane Press's website or on various other game retailers. You've been listening to A Cable's Length from Shore, a Rem Alternus production podcast. The GM was Aaron Dykstra. Phyllis Oakley was played by Ava Rogers. This podcast is edited by Ava Rogers. Sound effects are from zapsplat.com. And background music was provided by Dark Fantasy Studios. You've been listening to another fine tale in the Alternia archives. Feel free to leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, or wherever you listen to our archive. So, until next time, take care of yourself, okay? Goodbye.